the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I'm your Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you this Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. Of course, I'm joined in studio once again by our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Well, another good evening, Rebecca. I'm glad to see that you are well on the mend, feeling a lot better, yes. sounding good. <laughs> I yeah. know. I, I have to say it was quite embarrassing uh, how nasal I sounded in our last show. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, I've, I've gotten hit pretty hard this this winter. I think this a lot of people have. I know times. in our house we've had a few bugs yeah. go through. Yeah. So, um, but now we're on our way to spring and i hope we're past all of the sickness so yeah, the clocks are going ahead it's going to be light till about exactly. seven thirty. perfect yeah perfect well according to the new york times if the proposed legislation receives congressional support uh, states are going to be allowed to opt into a program that provides individual and corporate donors dollar for dollar tax credits for contributing to scholarship programs that help families pay private school tuition or tuition and other educational expenses. And this is something that obviously um, we've talked about before on our show, especially, and we're going to talk about that too a few years ago. Um, but the federal sp- program is similar to those that are already operating in more than 12 states, including Arizona and Florida. And in those states, money flows to nonprofit organizations that fund private school vouchers for low-income students. Right, and we're talking about Education Secretary Betsy DeVos and her announced support of this $5 billion federal tax credit that would Mm -hmm. fund scholarships to private schools and other educational programs. Well, our folks here in Minnesota might remember uh, that there was similar legislation to this just back in 2017. In Mm -hmm. fact, the state legislature at the time had passed what was known as the Opportunity Tax Credit Scholarship Program, in which the goal was to help Minnesota's low- and middle-income students choose the best school that would provide the best education in accordance with their needs. Mm -hmm. So in looking back at that piece of legislation, the proposal was for $33 million for eligible students to attend non-public schools. No public monies were involved at all, and businesses and individuals would have received a 70% tax credit for charitable contributions to qualified scholarship granting Mm -hmm. organizations. And businesses, they could have contributed up to $150,000, and individuals could contribute up to $10,500. Now, I mean, the timing of this legislation was truly perfect. And at the time, former State Senator David Hahn had told us that approximately a third of all school-age kids in Minneapolis were opting out of the traditional public school system for various reasons. 
It's a big number. It's a big number, mm-hmm. and, there were, and here are mm-hmm. some of those reasons. Safety concerns, of course, academics, drug dealing, mm-hmm. more of wanting more of a faith component, saying that public school system is the traditional mm-hmm. public school system mm-hmm. was not right for their children. Mm-hmm. But however, the past legislation in the uh, state legislature, it met an abrupt end when it came time for the legislator, legislature to present the program as part of the state tax relief plan proposal. And at the time, Republican State Senator and Senate Taxes Committee Chair Roger Chamberlain said at the time that then-Governor Mark Dayton did not want it as part of their final tax relief bill. And it really ended that abruptly, too. It It was just as though Dayton just said, nope, not going there. And, you know, they were doing a lot of negotiating in that omnibus bill, and it it just got negotiated away. Right. And I think it's the greatest amount of momentum I've ever seen on school, on true school choice here in Minnesota. Absolutely. Beyond just the original charters that, that... um, happened, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years ago. Yes. Uh, so it was really an unfortunate moment because I think everyone thought this is going to happen. This is going to be the year. And we thought there was enough pressure from the public. And unfortunately, Dayton just shut it down. That's right. Well, in addition to Governor Dayton's rejection of those Opportunity Scholarship tax credits, public education employees, such as the state's teachers union, Education Minnesota, They've historically opposed school choice of any form, and we've seen this consistently over the course of time. They oppose open enrollment, charter schools, homeschooling, anything that would allow families to go beyond the designated school district in terms of where they live. Mm -hmm. Well, it's important to note that much is done in tax policy to provide tax incentives from the government on a lot of things, such as on home ownership, which naturally then raises the question, why in the world... Is there resistance in Minnesota to allowing families educational freedom? That's right. We can all agree that our nation's students should be free to learn in ways that work for them, no matter where they pursue their education or how they learn. Right. It's awfully fishy. I mean, you think about it, it's, you know, we go back to the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, Article 3. We've talked about that on the show, about the type of education that really allows for a people that will be prosperous and able to move forward in terms of all morality and Mm -hmm. Yet people don't have that choice today. It's the one-size-fits-all that people, you know, at the legislature and in any form of government believe that that's going to be the best way to go. And ironically, in every other part of our our nation's value system, they value choice. You know, I even think about... Pro-choice, you know, we 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 want to be able to choose to have abortions, but we can't choose which school our children go to. That just seems completely backwards. Absolutely. And um, it's been an it's been an area that has been so well um, dominated by unions that they have been able to keep control of the public schools, and um, they've been they've been able to maintain a lot of control over not bringing school choice into Minnesota. Absolutely. Well, as we're going to discover later on in the program, too, the cry for public or school choice, rather, is growing. And we're going to give you some numbers that would definitely show you that. But first of all, let's shift gears a little bit here and take a look at some of the specifics that are pertaining to Education Secretary DeVos's school choice tax proposal that she is uh, working with several members of the United States legislature on. Um, she has consulted and helped develop the Education Freedom Scholarships and Opportunity Act with Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz and Republican U.S. House Representative Bradley Byrne from Alabama. And the proposed legislation, this is the Trump administration's school choice proposal mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And there are two versions of the legislation that people need to be aware of. 
There's the House of Representatives version, again, mm-hmm. being sponsored by Representative Byrne. Mm-hmm. And he describes himself actually as a proud public school supporter. In fact, he served eight years on the Alabama State Board of Education and currently serves on the U.S. House Education and Labor Committee. And he strongly believes that parents do need school choice options. In response to sponsoring the bill, Burns said that giving Americans school choice is the most American thing exactly. you can do. I love that line. And that's and that's really what I was referring to just a few moments ago, that in America, we value choice in every other part of our lives. And yet, right. for some reason, this has been consistently difficult to get through. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. right. <laughs> so. it, is, it comes down to those fundamental rights. Absolutely. Well, according to the New York Times, they had put an article together just uh, on February 28th of this year. And what they say the House of Representatives version of this bill would do is it would allow a dollar for dollar, dollar rather, federal income tax credit up to $5 billion nationwide per mm. year. As mentioned earlier, donations made by individuals and businesses that are used as scholarships for students to choose where they attend K through mm-hmm, twelve school. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. It is That's a lot of money, and that would be uh, very, very helpful to producing options for kids. So the individuals um, who donate to this fund would be allowed to contribute, <clears throat> excuse me, up to ten percent of their adjusted gross income. And they'd be allowed to give to any program in the country. So you're not limited to your own state. You're not limited to one program. Right. Um, there's many, many options that a, an individual would be able to give to. And the Senate's version will break that down in terms of some of the specific programs that it can be right, given to. Right, right. Then businesses would be allowed to give up to 5% of their net taxable income. And then states would be given full discretion to determine the programs and students eligible for the scholarships. And I'm sure most states would put some type of income limits on it. Um, I know that in the state of Minnesota, there were income limits up to, you know, depending on how many family members you had. Um, So this was intended to only help middle class, middle, you know, lower to middle class families um, achieve the options for school choice, Mm -hmm. assuming that others can afford to pay for private education if they want it. Um, The proposal would authorize a 100% credit for individual and corporate contributions to state-sanctioned scholarship funds, meaning donors could get back their entire donation through their federal taxes, which is really amazing. I mean, that is bold. That is really, really bold legislation. Secretary DeVos called it bold. Did she? Yes, that's the exact word she used. Wow. Well, it is. (laughs) It it definitely is. And it, it incentivizes people to do it, to give to it. And I think that's her whole goal. Um, because she wants to expand this quickly. Yes. Uh, Byrne also said that the federal program is not taking any money away from the federal funding that goes to states for education. That is an important distinction. Uh, Many people think that any of these types of programs are taking money away from public schools Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form, but they are not. They are actually adding in the sense that um, they they are giving money into a fund, and that fund of money is money that wasn't there before. And um, as we're going to learn, some of this is going to be able to be used towards some public school programs as well. Yes. So Senator Senator Ted Cruz, um, who's the sponsor of the Senate bill, um, he's, he's making a slightly different version. He would call for fact federal tax dollars of 10 billion per year, 5 billion to support scholarships targeting adult learners. So that's the distinction. And I think that's a really good 
it's a great idea. We've got a lot of adults that would like to be able to go back to school. Boost their education. Yeah. And um, this gives them an opportunity to apply for scholarships and get those. Um, and then $5 billion is aimed at the children in the K-12 schools. The senator from Texas reiterated House Representative Bierne's promise that the plan does not take one penny from any public school in America. Instead, it adds $100 billion worth of new pennies to create scholarships and expand opportunities. Mm -hmm. So Cruz believes this program will help public schools, and he believes that because he says that they will be eligible for some of the funds as well. So things like apprenticeship programs, dual enrollment, after-school programs, remedial programs, that sort of thing, uh, they will be able to uh, benefit from these funds as well. This is really wide-covering legislation. I mean, just covering a whole gauntlet of things to say we want to go where you're at and we're going to come where you're at and we're just really looking to boost everybody's educational experience. Yep. And actually, as we're going to find out, that's actually one of the criticisms of it. Yes, it is. from the conservatives. So Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, you are listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280. I am your co-host, Mark Durkin, along with headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom. And we are discussing tonight the $5 billion federal tax credit for school choice proposal that has been Put forward by Education Secretary Betsy DeVos as she is working on this piece of legislation with members from both the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. And now that we've just talked about the main tenets of what this proposal holds, is there bipartisan support or is there blowback? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. the big thing. That mm-hmm. always seems to be the big hurdle anytime mm-hmm. there is school choice mm-hmm. legislation. So we'll go ahead and take a look at that. And While Senator Cruz is confident in bipartisan support for the legislation, both conservatives and Democrats are voicing their doubts. Now, despite Cruz promising that the legislation would include, quote-unquote, ironclad protections against federal control over local education decisions, both Lindsey Burke and Adam Michelle of the conservative think tank Heritage Foundation issued a statement, and this is what they said. They said, quote, It's wonderful that the administration wants to advance school choice, but a nationwide federal tax credit scholarship program is the wrong way to do it. This could open the door for further education regulations down the road that neutralize the advantage of private education, end Mm -hmm. of quote. And, you know, that's that's the Heritage Foundation and, um, you know, well-respected. And I have to say, you know, as a school leader of a private school, I share some of that concern. Mm -hmm. I'm always nervous to have federal government involved in education. Yes. Um, You know, it originated as a local control type type issue. Mm -hmm. And over the course of time, the education department at the federal level has grown, as have the ones at the state level. And to the point where we've, and we've covered this on previous shows, the local school boards have very, very little autonomy in terms of what they can actually do in within their district. Right. Because there are so many state regulations. And then even though Betsy DeVos reduced some of those federal regulations, states still had to submit their plans and they still had to meet their requirements. So even with Betsy DeVos at the helm of the education department, the federal level, there's still a lot of federal control over what is happening. And I think conservatives, rightly so, have concerns that even a school choice program would originate at the federal level because the fear, I think, for most of these people is Maybe this is a, an administration that isn't going to try to regulate that money, mm-hmm. but in the future, if new people come in, 
they can take these regulation, they can take these legislations or pieces of legislation that are in place, and then they can start putting regulations on it that then start controlling and silencing private Christian schools, right? Um, you know, especially religious schools of any kind. They could start controlling what is being taught. Uh, because of the money that those schools are receiving. And I think that's the big fear that conservatives have. Well, the old adage, wrong hands, wrong outcomes. Right. And we saw yeah. this, of course, with Common Core and the carrots that were being dangled before state uh, yeah. state governments as mm-hmm. well, too. Mm-hmm. Well, on top of that thought, uh, the Libertarian Voice had a, an opinion on this as well. Neil McCluskey, the director of the Center for Educational Freedom at Cato Institute, says that even though the program would be optional and swapping vouchers for tax credits, it still invites federal encroachment. He said, quote, the credit would spur people to demand their states participate, and as more schools benefited from federally connected scholarships, all schools would be financially pressured to use them. Mm-hmm. Well, the big issue for them is that they just don't want any choice. I mean, that's really the bottom line. And as you can imagine, much of the resistance to this proposal is coming from Democrats. They use terms like tone deaf, non-starter, dead on arrival um, as they talk about this legislation. And we know that the unions uh, have a lot of power and they give a lot of money to Democratic candidates. We've done research on this and shown overwhelmingly they support Democratic candidates when it comes to Um, education unions. And so it's no surprise that the Democrats would then be opposed to this type of school choice legislation. Um, U.S. Representative Robert Scott, from a Democrat from Virginia, who is the chairman of the House Education Committee, said that House Democrats will not waste time on proposals that undermine public education. So even though this has nothing to do with dollars going into the public schools in terms of taking them away. There's nothing being taken away right. from the public schools. If anything is being added, he's still he's still talking about it as though it's going to undermine public education. Right. And Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington State, the senior Democrat on the Senate Education Committee, issued this scathing response. Secretary DeVos keeps pushing her anti-public school agenda despite a clear lack of support from parents, students, teachers, and even within her own party. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Congress has repeatedly rejected her privatization efforts, and she should expect expect nothing less here. And that is a scathing response. What you see is is just a real play on words. What they feel, hey, look, school choice is a threat. It's Mm -hmm. a threat to the bottom dollar of what we're right. all about yeah. and who we're in relationship with. And so they twist the language. It's not about school choice. It's about their anti-public school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what they do. And I think they fear, too, losing control of the message that gets taught. Um, that's is another true. issue. Yeah. So the senior Democrat on the Senate Education Committee says that school choice legislation doesn't have the support of parents and students. Is that really true? <laughs> Uh, the results of several new surveys actually undermine those comments made by Senator Patty Murray and demonstrate that there actually is a lot of support for school yes, choice by both parents and students. Yeah. So Beck Research, commissioned by the American Federation for Children, um, published some results of one of their surveys in the National Review magazine. Yes. In January of 2018, 1,100 likely November voters were surveyed on their feelings concerning a wide variety of topics concerning school choice. According to the poll, school choice support is especially strong among Latinos at 72%. <laughs> I, I mean, it's almost... 
it's almost laughable that she would say that there's no support exactly. when you look at these numbers. Mm-hmm. So among Latinos, there's 72% support for school choice. African Americans, 66% for school choice. And even millennials, millennials. at 64% <laughs> school choice. Because you know, they've been taught choice matters. Mm-hmm. So um, they're carrying it into, they're being maybe a little bit more consistent in their worldview uh, application of the word yes. choice, right? <laughs> um, these results were also confirmed in a separate survey conducted by policy magazine Education Next. And Education Next, they polled more than 4,600 adults, including parents, teachers, white, black, Hispanic students, Republicans, and Democrats. And it's important to note that according to Education Next's website, educationnext.org, in their mission statement, they describe themselves as this. In the stormy seas of school reform, this journal will steer a steady course presenting the facts as best as they can be determined, giving voice without fear or favor to worthy research, sound ideas, and responsible arguments. Bold change is needed in American K-12 education, but Education Next partakes of no program, campaign, or ideology. It goes where the evidence points. And I think it's important to note that this May 2018 poll uh, that was conducted by a journal that describes themselves as being objective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the results of this this Education Next poll was published also by several left-leaning media outlets, including the Associated Press News and Atlantic Magazine. Mm -hmm. Now, these 4,600 adults were specifically asked about potential legislation that would offer tax credits to individuals and corporations that pay for scholarships to help help low-income parents send their children to private schools. And here are some of the Mm -hmm. results now of this this, uh, 4,600 adults that were polled. In speaking with parents... 62% 62% supported yeah. these opportunity yes. scholarship type credits for low income families. Yeah. Okay. No surprise. So once again, Patty Marie, I hope she starts getting yes, her please hands yeah. on the, <laughs> on the research. <laughs> yes. 15% neither support or opposed such a proposal and 24% oppose. Mm-hmm. 62%, 62% of general parents. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now when the demographic was narrowed down, mm-hmm. um, Speaking, you know, of whites, mm-hmm. 54% support against 17% that neither supported nor opposed versus 29% who mm-hmm. opposed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And interesting that the white group, as we are going to see, mm-hmm. has the lowest amount of support for school choice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in, anyway, go ahead and yeah. keep giving your results and we can comment on that. Absolutely. Um, African Americans, 61% support versus 22% that neither support nor oppose against 17% that oppose. Mm -hmm. When we look at the Hispanic population that was polled here, 68% support versus 14% that neither neither supported or opposed versus 19% that opposed. Mm -hmm. And the last two categories that I had picked out that really stood out to me, that really just left me Mm -hmm. thinking, hmm, public school teacher union members... 31% support versus 10% that didn't go either Mm way, 58% oppose. Right, right. No surprise. No surprise, but listen to these numbers. Public school teachers, not union members, Mm -hmm. 49% support versus 10% Mm -hmm. that don't feel either way versus 40% that oppose. Yeah, this is really interesting and just supports. You know, the ones who are most affected by the academic achievement gap, which would be the blacks and the Hispanics, Mm -hmm. um, 
they are showing the highest degree of support for school choice. Why? Because they want options for their kids. Absolutely. So it is no surprise that the white group would be the least supportive of school choice because their kids are generally doing fine. If you polled the Asian population, their kids are genuinely doing genuine, generally doing fine. Um, But with the black and Hispanic population, that's where the achievement gap lives. That's right. And there has been so much effort to try to close that gap within the public school realm to very little success. So they want choice. They want options. They want to get their kids in other private schools or other charter schools that have figured out a recipe to be able to work with these kids and show demonstrable demonstrable results. (laughs) And that's what they want. And who can blame them? I would want that if that were my children. And I think most people, if they're given the opportunity, would want that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, no surprise that our public school teacher union members um, are opposed to it. And again, that just ties in with everything we've said previously. Absolutely. Well, according to a 2017 Morning Consult political survey, Betsy DeVos was seen as the least favorable member of the Trump cabinet with only 28 percent support. Um, Secretary DeVos has been consistent for decades, moved by the lack of school choice for our nation's families. So during her education secretary confirmation hearing in January of 2017, she boldly proclaimed before senators from the Health, Education, Labor, and Pension Committee that parents do know their children's educational needs and that educational freedom should not be restricted to just the rich, powerful, and well-connected. So she's been consistent all along. Yes. And we're going to play a little clip from what she said um, during her Senate confirmation. Yes, I back believe. in 2017. Yes, all right. Parents no longer believe that a one-size-fits-all model of learning meets the needs of, need of every child, and they know other options exist, whether magnet, virtual, charter, home, faith-based, or any other combination. Yet too many parents are denied access to the full range of options, choices that many of us here in this room have exercised for our own children. Why in 2017 are we still questioning parents' ability to exercise educational choice for their children? I'm a firm believer that parents should be empowered to choose the learning environment that's best for each of their individual children. Hmm. There it is right there. Very clear, plain as day. And we, you know, obviously, whether or not you support the federal idea of um, influencing school choice, at the very core, school choice is extremely important, and we need to find ways to allow more of our students who are struggling in schools that are non-performing or way underperforming. Um, we need to find ways to give those kids the opportunities to get into the charter schools and get into private schools. Absolutely. Um, whether this is the right way, obviously that's under debate. Uh, you know, with a lot of conservatives being concerned about what's going to happen in the future down the line, right. uh, not wanting regulations. But at the very core, this idea of choice needs to continue to be looked at. Well, the drum is being sounded louder and louder on this. Now, of course, we know that the House is under the control of the Democrats. The likelihood that this is going to pass, and it's so frustrating because we just had, you know, the Republicans had the full control of the Congress just Mm -hmm. several months ago. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's the likelihood that it won't pass through the House, it'll be interesting to see how the sponsors of these bills will maybe try to reword some of the language to try to 
you know, enhance its ability to pass in the legislation. It's just something we need to keep mm-hmm. an eye on, mm-hmm. and we'll be sure to report any new developments right. as they emerge. Right. And I think parents just need to get involved. Um, I think until there's a grassroots effort from parents themselves, yeah. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to influence. So. Thanks for being with me tonight again, Mark. Yes, I enjoy hosting the right? show with you. Yes, it always goes very, very quickly. It does. Um, but we invite our listeners to listen to this podcast or any other of our previous cod- podcasts at ednationmn.org. That's ednationmn.org. And you can check us out on Facebook at Education Nation Radio or Twitter at ednationmn. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.